Uh, last year, actually during the month of August as well, we did a series called Elephants in the Room. How many of you remember that series? Yeah, we talked about the stuff that we don't like to talk about. The stuff that can sometimes be a little awkward, right? And so we talked about those things. We actually did six installments of that series last August. We, if you missed them, we went over all sorts of things, uh, just just. Laid it all out on the table. I mean, we talked about anxiety and depression. We talked about speaking in tongues. We talked about homosexuality and how the church interacts with people that, that deal with that. I mean, we just, we talked about it all, okay? It was uh, some of our most watched uh, sermons of all last year. And so since it was so well received, we are going to do more elephants in the room this month in August. So I encourage you, go ahead and get out those steel-toed boots because I might step on a few toes but there are some topics that we really need to talk about. Just as a family, as a church family, as believers in Christ, you know, sometimes we're intimidated about talking about controversial subjects because, you know, a lot of pastors are afraid that the people will leave if they offend it. Look, I don't want you to leave, but I'm not going to water down the gospel. Okay, just, just, because, just because it might offend you, I love you enough to tell you the truth and to stab you in the front. Okay, so I, I just, I just want to let you know, this morning is a great example of, of you may very well not like what I have to say, but I encourage you, don't pin it on me, don't have Rose Preacher for lunch, instead, look at all the verses that I'm going to show you this morning, and then you can pray about it and say, okay, is, is this kid making this stuff up, or is this real, okay? Um, so this morning, we are going to talk about alcohol. Alcohol, what role does alcohol have to play in the life of a believer? Now, many of you are thinking, well, that's easy. Christians shouldn't drink. And then the other half of you are saying, well, that's easy. Christians can drink. And so many of us, depending on our, our, our family situation, what we were taught growing up, we have varying uh, opinions on alcohol. So I want to look at a biblical, balanced, grace-filled, um, just look at, how Christians should interact with alcohol. I'm going to try to answer two questions this morning. And the first question I'm going to attempt to answer is, can a Christian drink alcohol? Can a Christian drink alcohol? And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. It is yes, but. And it's a big but. It's one of the big buts of the Bible. As a matter of fact, I thought about doing a series called Big Butts of the Bible. <laughs> but I, I was afraid people might, like, you know, mistake what I'm going for, you know. Because there are a lot of big butts in the Bible where the Lord says this is a, a thing, but you need to understand this as well. Right? So maybe we might do that if I get brave. We'll see. So, so the answer is it's not a yes or no answer. You can't just say yes, and you can't just say no. You have to say yes, but. It's, 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 there are scriptures that, that show alcohol in a positive light in scripture, and then there are passages that show alcohol in a negative light in scripture, and we're going to look at all those in just a minute. But I want you to understand, the first question, can a Christian drink alcohol? The answer is yes, but. 
There's going to be some warnings. So let's just hop right into it, okay? Let's go over some of the scriptures that show alcohol in a positive light. And I encourage you, we're not going to go over all these just, you know, in detail. You can take a picture of the slide or, or you can email us later. We can get you the notes or whatever. But um, here's a couple of verses, Ecclesiastes 9, 7. These, this is just a, a paraphrase that I'm doing here. But it basically says, drink your wine with a happy heart. He's talking about, hey, look, Ecclesiastes is about the futility of life. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And so he's saying, look, look, it's okay. Drink your wine with a happy heart. It's, it's, it's all right to have a little wine. It's okay. Um, Psalm 104 says that God gives wine that makes glad the heart of men. That it's almost, if, when used correctly, it's almost like a kiss from the Lord saying, hey, congrats, you're making it on planet Earth. Yay, glass of wine to celebrate. Amos 9.14 is he's promising those that, that come into, uh, that, that, that will do what God tells them to do, will turn away from the idols, says you can drink wine from your own vineyard, and that's a sign of God's blessing. Look, I'll bless you. You'll be able to drink wine from your own vineyard. Okay, So, so it's a blessing in that particular scripture. We also see that Jesus drank wine and he didn't sin. Jesus drank wine. And he didn't sin. Luke uh, chapter 7, verse 34, the Pharisees actually call him a, a, a drunkard and a glutton. You don't get called a drunkard if you're not drinking. <laughs> okay? Now, he wasn't a drunkard or a glutton because we know that Jesus didn't sin. All right? But we do know that he did partake in wine. And let me just talk about this for a second. Now, there's an argument out there that says that that the wine that Jesus would have drank back then is not the same as the wine that we would drink today. And that's partially correct. It's not true that Jesus was drinking grape juice. Have, have you ever heard that argument? Well, Jesus wasn't drinking wine. He was actually drinking grape juice. That's just, that's just not true. Why do we know that? Because they called him a drunkard. You don't call someone drinking grape juice, apple juice, or orange juice a drunkard. Right? When, when, when they talked about, anytime wine is mentioned, there's, there's the possibility of getting drunk mentioned as well. You don't talk about like that without an alcoholic drink. So are you with me? So that idea is just not true. There, there are people who just can't get their minds around the fact that, there's, that, you, that there is, a, there is a, a, a role for alcohol to play outside of addiction and that you can have a glass of wine that's alcoholic. And so they just they want to change scripture and make Jesus not drink any alcohol. Guys, it's just, that's just not scripture. It's not. It's not, okay? And, and for those of you that are getting really uncomfortable right now because you want me to say you shouldn't drink, just hold on. Because I can feel your tension, okay? Just, just give me some time. We got like 30 minutes, okay? I'll get to you. Luke chapter 22, 17 through 18, it was the Last Supper. We partook in communion. Now, we used grape juice, okay, this morning so, so no one would be offended and no one would stumble. But when Jesus partook, he, it says specifically that he drank wine, okay, and he still, and he didn't sin. John chapter 2, 10 through 11, the first miracle that Jesus did, he turned water into, it's not Kool-Aid. He didn't change it into Kool-Aid. Hey, Kool-Aid. He didn't do that. He changed it into wine. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just wine. It was like top shelf awesome wine. Because <laughs> the, 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 the uh, wedding director came out and was like, dude, 
Why have you waited to put the best wine out until now? Now, it doesn't say specifically that Jesus drank the wine at the wedding, but it's pretty much implied, and why would Jesus make wine if people aren't allowed to drink it? Right? He would be causing them to sin, and we know that Jesus doesn't tempt anyone towards sin. That's in James chapter 1. So you with me so far? So here's another one. Paul instructed Timothy... Timothy is a new young pastor in Ephesus. Paul is the apostle that sets up all the churches all throughout Europe and Asia. And we see in some of his instructions, he says, dude, don't just drink water, drink a little wine. Okay, This is for medicinal purposes. And we know that especially red wine has some good medicinal purposes. It has reservatrol in it and it can help be an antioxidant. Okay, And so uh, he's not telling Timothy, hey, go get sloppy drunk. Go do shots with your elders. He's not saying that. But he's saying, he's saying, look, it's okay to have a little wine because uh, he was evidently having some sort of stomach issues. And back then, water wasn't as readily available as it is to us now. And we see in Samaria, Jesus met a woman at the well. They had to walk miles away from the city and go grab buckets of water. You, it only, you can only carry so much. So it was actually easier to drink wine than it was to drink water in many places. Okay? So these are scriptures that show alcohol in a positive light. That's the, that's the yes part of the yes but answer. All right, and here comes the big but. Here are the negative scriptures. All right, these are the scriptures that show alcohol in a negative light. All right, so first of all, Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, alcohol, and this is my paraphrase, alcohol changes who you are. It says, wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler. It turns you into a mocker and a brawler, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but how many of you have said things you wish you hadn't have said when you were under the influence of alcohol? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, that's what I thought. How many of you have gotten into a stupid, petty fight over nothing because you were tipsy? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's absolutely true. Here's another one. Alcohol is addictive. That's Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 11, it's interesting what it says here. And, and again, look these up on your own. I'm not making this up. Make sure that I'm not preaching anything that's not in Scripture. You have my full permission to always check up on me, okay? Isaiah 5.11, it actually says that wine inflames you. It's, you are inflamed with wine, with the desire for wine. It talks about getting up early in the morning and thinking, okay, where am I going to go drink tonight? Some of you have been there. Some of you experienced that. So it's addictive. Here's another one, Ephesians 5.18. Let's actually just turn there for a second. You've probably heard this scripture. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, and it says, Don't be drunk with wine. Now, again, so we know wine can make you drunk, or he wouldn't tell you to don't be drunk, right? Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Okay. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't it interesting that there is a comparison between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being drunk? You know, I, there, there are we we are essentially what you would call a charismatic church, in that we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are available for us today. We don't believe that they passed away. There's just no biblical evidence for that. 
Um, and, and we also believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's a person, and he wants to draw near, and he wants to have intimate fellowship with you. We also believe that the Holy Spirit comes in power, and you can actually feel his manifestations at times. How many of you say, you know, I've actually felt the Holy Spirit before? Yeah. And so part of that, now, now in some situations, have you ever heard of being drunk in the Spirit? You ever heard of that? Has anyone ever experienced that? Okay. Yeah. That's when you're like, whoa, oh, Jesus, <laughs> right? And, 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 and different, different you know, conferences and, and different church services and, and the Holy Spirit begins to break out. And there's people who are like, dude, that is not becoming of a Christian. Um, okay, I get the argument for civility and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if being drunk is the substitution for the Holy Spirit, then that means you, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, at least in some ways, is going to be similar to you under the influence of alcohol. Does that make sense? And, and we see that in Acts uh, chapter 2, when the, when the apostles and, 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 and the original disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, what do people say? They're drunk. Well, you don't describe someone as drunk unless they're acting like they're drunk. But they weren't drunk. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's just a little quick biblical defense for Holy Spirit stuff. Okay? So, so, but the misuse of alcohol, the abuse of alcohol, is a substitution for the Holy Spirit. See, you were created with a deep longing and a deep need to belong to the family of God and to feel his presence. And when you go through things in life, you have a temptation to numb the pain that comes through some of these situations and circumstances we go through. Are y'all with me still? The Lord designed you incomplete so that he might complete you. Sorry, Jerry Maguire fans, your spouse does not complete you. They were just one broken person trying to get along with another broken person. But the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, he can complete you. He can complete you. You were created with a Holy Spirit and a Jesus and a Father-shaped hole in your heart, and you need him in there. And drugs and alcohol are a substitution for that. You were built incomplete, and there is a spiritual answer for how to become complete, but alcohol is a substitution for that. And so that's why there's a huge warning. There's a huge warning. It says, don't be drunk. Now, let me just categorically... Just say, in case there's any question, when I say, yes, Christians can drink, that, that means that no, Christians cannot get drunk. There, there's, there's no evidence in the Bible whatsoever that it's okay to become like intoxicated, inebriated, and under the influence of alcohol in Scripture. Okay? That, that, that's just not there. So if, if you need a rule here, and I'm going to talk about not having rules in a second. But if you need a rule here, your rule is you can have a glass of wine with dinner. You can have, you know, a, 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 a beer while you watch the game, whatever. But, but the, the, for the Christian, when you begin to sin is when you begin to be inebriated or drunk or under the influence. So if you need a rule, and I'm going to encourage you not to in just a second. But if you need a rule, that's your starting point. Grow from there. Grow from there, okay? Um, 
here's this last one, Proverbs 23, 29 through 35. I'm not going to look at this for the sake of time. It, it just basically says alcohol can ruin your life. I mean, it just, it talks about how it creates an addictive cycle. And if you misuse it and you don't use it in the right way, that it will bring destruction. I mean, just, it's, there's no way of working around that. And so these are the scriptures that speak of alcohol in a negative light. Well, wait a minute. So is alcohol good or is it bad? We have a bunch of scriptures that say, okay, here it is in a positive light. Hey, it's a celebration. Yay. And then we have a bunch of verses that say, hey, it's bad for you. Boo. What's the deal? And this is, this is, where, this is where cunning uh, atheists, agnostics, and people who try to come against faith, try to divide Christians because we, don't, we as at large don't know enough about the word, and they try to say, see, the Bible's full of contradictions. See, it says to do one thing and not to do another. And see, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But here's the answer. We, we have to incorporate both the positive and the negative verses because they're both true. They aren't exclusive of one another. That's why the answer, can a Christian drink, is yes, but... It's not yes, and it's not no. It's yes, but. See, people want a rule. People want a rule to follow. But the problem is, is rules don't change hearts. If you look at Colossians chapter 2, let me preach at you here for a little bit. I want to change our mindsets when we come to these things, when it comes to things like this, optional, optional things. Going to a movie, drinking a drink. Right? Something like that. It's not in the Bible. I mean, the Bible doesn't say, do not go see that movie. The Bible doesn't say, you know, do not take that job. Do not buy that car. So you've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We want a rule. You're going, to be, you're, going to, you're going to be tempted to say, no Christians can't drink, or yes, Christians can drink. But those are rules. And look what Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 says. It says, you have died with Christ. That means your will is gone. It's all about his will. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. That's good news. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules, here we go, check this out. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help and conquering a person's evil desires. Here's the thing about rules. Rules don't work. Because rules don't change your want to. They don't get in your heart. See, what's wrong with you is not a lack of rules. What's wrong with me is not a lack of rules. What's wrong with me is my want to. What's wrong with you is your want to. You want to do the wrong thing. I want to do the wrong thing. I've got a flesh. I've got a nature that's separate from God. And my want to is broken. If you want to read more about it, Romans chapter 7. He goes into it in detail. Your want to is broken. And so applying a rule to a broken want to doesn't help anything. Instead, it puts your focus on the rule, which puts your focus on the sin. We need to change our want to. And a rule doesn't do that. It just highlights our want to. 
So what do we do? Well, there is, in the New Testament, a design for living righteously. And it's called walking in the Spirit. Turn to Galatians. This is much better than a rule. This is much better than trying to decipher the directions. Walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5. Let's read 16. Verse 16, so I say, walk in the Spirit. New Living Translation says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives so you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. See, the law of Moses was created for the Israelites to keep them under God's thumb and say, hey, look, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. But there's a better way now. There's a better way. The better way is that God himself has come to partner in life with you. So much better. And you now get to walk in the Spirit. Let, Let me give you an example. Following the rules versus walk in the Spirit. Let's say I need to go to Atlanta. Let's say I need to go to Atlanta. And I need to drive there. And I don't know how to get there. There's two ways to get there, the way that I see it. One is the old way, using rules and law, and that's where I've got a sheet of paper with directions that someone has scribbled out who's been there before, and they've said, okay, you're going to get on this road, take a left, get on this road, take this exit, hang a right. When you pass the flagpole, (laughs) right? when you see a dog out front and Uncle Jimmy's on his porch, hang a left. That's how Southerners give directions, right? That's okay. That'll, That'll get you there. But wouldn't it be a lot better to be in relationship? Wouldn't it be a lot better, instead of trying to consult the directions, wouldn't it be a lot better to actually have someone in the car with you who's been to Atlanta before? And then y'all get to hang out and listen to music and talk and go, oh, hey, hang a right. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. That's your design, is relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not to try to figure out and fumble around and look at the sheet of paper and what, what, what do I do? I don't know. Where do I go now? That's old versus new. That's, that's the Mosaic law versus the, the law of Christ, law of love. And so we need to learn to walk in the spirit. And that's why it's not yes and it's not no when it comes to alcohol. It's yes, but. Yes, but. So do we feel, do we feel like we have a decent understanding of answering the question, can a Christian drink alcohol? It's both. Yes and no. It depends on what you do with it. And by the way, it's the same answer as to can a Christian watch TV? Can a Christian hang out with that person? I don't know. What are your intentions? I mean, you can do a lot of damage to your spirit by what you view on television, right? Or you can watch something that's life-giving. So the problem isn't the television. The problem is our want to. Right? And so our want to get a hold of these things, instead of, instead of saying, don't touch, don't taste, don't do those things, say, Holy Spirit, tell me. And then you spend your life learning to hear from the Holy Spirit. And then you do what he says immediately without questioning, trusting that he's going to do what's best for you. That's what the New Testament Christian life looks like. Amen? Okay. 
Here's the second question. It's probably an even better question than the first one. Should I drink alcohol? First question is, can a Christian drink alcohol? And that was, yes, but. But now we've got the question, okay, but should I? Meaning, this is a question that you would ask. Should you? Should we? It's an individual question that you have to answer. Because it's not my job to answer it for you. Because I'm not your mama. I have no intention of being your mama. You're welcome. So should I drink alcohol? And here's my answer to this. And we're going to look at the scripture. I'm going to give you three reasons I say this. Probably not. Now, if, if you are a person and that immediately just something goes, oh, wait a minute, this, I've got freedom. We're going to talk about that in a second. I, mean, I didn't say no. I didn't say no. But most likely, usually, most of the time, statistically, probably not. There are going to be exceptions to the rule, but probably not. Now, let me say this. I need everyone, everyone look up here. Look, look up here. If you have had problems with alcohol in the past, your answer is not probably not. Your answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay? If you have an addictive personality, if you've been addicted to a substance, even not alcohol before, I'm sorry, game over. You, you can actually go ahead and leave if you want to, because I'm not talking to you anymore, because you may not drink anymore. There's, just, there's, just, there's, there's no room for it in your life. You used up all your drinking points. You're out. And you can't do it anymore. But I want to go evangelize my friends. No, you don't. You are not equipped to evangelize your friends that go to the bars. Someone else is going to do it for you. Okay? So, if you've dealt with addiction, specifically alcohol addiction in the past, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, you can listen just so you know what to tell the rest of us. But no, door shut, closed, end of story, don't do it. Okay? Don't do it. I'm telling you. I'm not your mama, but don't do it. So for the rest of us, the answer is probably not. Probably not. Why? Well, let me give you three, I'm going to give you three quick reasons. It's not helpful. And I know that's a weird word to use, helpful. I mean, well, I've never drank to be helpful. Actually, if you don't want to be helpful, you should probably drink. You're no good to anyone. First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. You say I'm allowed to do anything, drink alcohol, which is true. You are, yes, but, but not everything is good for you. In, in the New King James, it says, but it's, pro, it's profitable, but it's not, I'm sorry, it's, it's uh, legal, it's allowable, but it's not profitable, it's not helpful. And profitable doesn't mean make money. It means it doesn't help you, it's not helpful. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So it's it's just not it's not helpful. Is it allowable? Is it legal? Yeah. I mean, obviously, drinking alcohol here in the United States is legal if you're over 21. But I'm talking about in the kingdom. Is it legal for an adult who's not breaking the law, who's over 21, to drink alcohol? Yes, we established that. Yes, but. Not everything's profitable or helpful. Not, not everything is good for you. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should necessarily. Okay? 
And so this is where we have to have wisdom. It's, it's just... It's just not necess- It's not always helpful. Now, there are times, you know, if you're at a wedding, you want to, yay, we're celebrating the union and drink some wine. Great. It's cool. Hey, my team won. Yeah. Papa Brewski. Okay, fine. That's fine. But, but it may be legal. You're not going to go to hell for drinking. The only reason you go to hell is because you don't know Jesus. Y'all hear that? Okay. It's not like that, but it's just, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Here's the second reason. Is alcohol has a tendency to control people. It, it, it just does. It has, now, and you may be strong, and congratulations. You're one of the strong ones, and that's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm really, I don't want to sound sarcastic. Like, I'm really, if you can drink and it doesn't, do anything negative to, to, negative to you, then you're in the minority, and, you know, congrats, seriously. Um, but it does have a tendency to control. This is a, a, a scripture. It's the context of the scripture, Second uh, Peter 2.19, is talking about false prophets, and it's talking about people who are teaching bad things in the church, okay? And it says, talking about the false prophets, they promise freedom... But they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For, and here's the point. Here's the point. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. You're a slave to whatever controls you. You don't want to be controlled. And alcohol, it, it, just like with, with medication, with any sort of substance, it has a tendency to control lives. Let me just, let me just read some statistics here, okay? In 2014, this is when the study was done, so it's new. It's relatively new. 25% of people, 18 or older, reported that they engaged in binge drinking in the last month. Okay, now, that's not having the wine at dinner or drinking a brewski during the game. Binge drinking is it's based on a certain blood alcohol content, but it, it means that you have, you've, gotten, you've gotten not sloppy drunk, but you are inebriated. You, you've, you've drunk more than just a drink or two. Okay, that's how they define binge drinking. 25%. So, <laughs> 7% reported that they engaged in heavy drinking in the past month. That's binge drinking on a regular basis. That's a pattern of binge drinking. 7% of everyone is, is getting really close to alcoholism. All 25% are playing around with it. Um, 88,000 people die from alcohol-related causes annually, making alcohol the fourth leading preventable cause of death in the United States. 2014, alcohol-impaired driving fatalities accounted for uh, basically a third of all overall driving fatalities. So of all the people that have died in wrecks, a third of them could have been prevented if someone wasn't driving under the influence. That's, that's, that's big. That's a big one. In 2010, alcohol misuse problems cost the United States $250 billion. It's not economically smart. Three quarters of the total cost of alcohol misuse is related to binge drinking. So this one night, man, I just, I'm going to let loose. I'm going to party. I just got to dance. I'm going to have fun. Go to the bar. Drink a little too much. I can call, I can call a cab. That binge drinking, that, that's... Three quarters of the total cost of alcohol misuse is related just to that. Not even, not even the bad people that we want to, you know, say, ooh, they're the real problem. Mm. 
The real problem is actually even the occasional binge drinking. More than 10% of U.S. children live with a parent with alcohol problems. Many of you, that's your story. Many of you grew up, you weren't sure if dad or mom was going to be in a good mood or not based on how much alcohol they consumed. So back to the question, should I drink alcohol? I don't know. I, I can tell you it's, it's, it has a tendency to control you. It changes things. I don't think anyone reached the end of their life and think, man, I wish I would have drank more. My liver works way too well. Okay, number three. Here's, here's a third reason. Probably not a, a believer who's plugged in and, and living their life according to the Lord. It's probably not a good idea to drink alcohol because it could cause someone to stumble. It could cause someone to stumble. What does that mean? It, 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 means, it means that there are people all around you. See, you are not an island. You are not alone. When you do something, you know, there's, this, there's this mantra. I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Right? Have you heard that before? The problem is there's no such thing. You're, you're connected, intertwined with everyone else. And you can't do something saying it doesn't hurt anyone else. You know, well, I'm just going to get drunk. And I, I, need, I need it to sleep every night, so I need to do this, and it's not going to hurt you. That's, that's bull. It's not true. It, it does hurt other people. It does. Um, so there are people around us. Um, there are some who are really religious and don't get that a Christian can drink. Their answer would be a law. It would be No. And if they see you, a Christian who's always talking about Jesus, and they see you drinking, it would cause them to stumble. And they're wrong because the answer for a Christian is yes, but, not no. But, and they're wrong, but it's like, okay, well, are you going to use your freedom to, to be right or to love them? And in the same way, there, there are other Christians. I mean, there, there, there are Christians and non-Christians who have struggled with alcohol their whole life. It's been a big deal, and if you're popping one open in front of them, it can, it can be a big issue. Check this out. This is Romans chapter 14. This is a powerful scripture. It says, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat or drink. It mentions drink in just a second. It's implied. Remember, all foods are acceptable. All foods are acceptable. You can eat anything you want to. You don't have to not eat shellfish or pork because the Old Testament says it. All foods are acceptable. But it's wrong... To eat something if it makes another person stumble. Here we go. And now we introduce wine to it as well. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Now, is it lawful to drink? Yes, but, remember? But, but here it says, look, it's just, it's just better not to do it. It's one of the reasons why I personally don't drink. Part of it is because I can't actually digest alcohol. I don't know what's wrong with me. Some of you guys know this. Whenever I tell people that, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I remember everything. Um, and I still had fun. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I can't, I, I flush crazy red. I mean, it's like burning. My face burns. My stomach is just like searing pain. It's crazy. Um, I, I consider it a gift from God because the alcoholism runs rampant in my family. On one side of my family, I've got multiple uncles who passed away. One of them had only a third of his stomach left. And my only memory of him is seeing him uh, in his pajamas, slurring his words, trying to remember my name. So I'm glad, personally. Just, I just consider it a blessing. I mean, I remember, uh, let me try some. Whoa, I mean, I'm telling you, if I drink NyQuil too fast, I will, like, I'll break out. 
So, <laughs> anyway. But Tiffany, Tiffany enjoys a glass of wine. She enjoys, you know, occasional drink. You know, I don't really know a whole lot about alcohol, so I can't tell you, like, all the different kinds. But um, I think we even have something in our fridge right now. Yes, a Christian can drink, but. But we, you know, we, we avoid it because we don't want to offend anyone. And we don't want, because here in the South, everyone's like, you don't drink. It's not what Christians do. So we don't. <laughs> could, we, could we drink? Yeah, sure. But look, who cares? I'm more concerned about the kingdom. I'm more concerned about souls and people and connecting people to the Father than I am about drinking a drink. Who cares? Look, here's the last thing I want to leave you with. There's a book called The Best Question Ever. It's by a guy named Andy Stanley. I've not read the book, so if it's heresy, you know, I don't want to. But the question's awesome. The question's really good. So I have read about the book so that I might tell you about my reading of the book so you don't have to read anything, okay? So you're welcome. Here is the best question ever, according to this book. And it's a really good one. In light of your past experience, in light of your current circumstances, and in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Not what's legal and lawful for you. Not what can you get away with. What's wise? What's wise? If you've had an issue with this in the past, come on. Wisdom's screaming at you and saying, run Run. Please don't get, get, get messed up in that stuff again. Run. Set up boundaries for yourself. Don't hang around people that refuse, to, that refuse to embrace your boundaries. Just get rid of it. Stop it. If you've never had an issue with this, then enjoy drinking in small amounts according to what the Holy Spirit says is right and don't get drunk. That's what Scripture says. Right? What's wise for you? What's wise for you? And guys, this applies to everything. Come on. I don't want to be a church where, well, pastor says we can't drink, so I don't drink. Stop it. No. What does the Holy Spirit say? What does the Holy Spirit say? Let's stand for prayer.